The next thing on my list here is to pump as soon as possible after giving birth. So if you and your baby have to be separated relatively soon or, you know, right after birth, really trying to remember to pump as soon as possible. And research has found that women who pump within one hour of birth compared to within six hours of birth had significantly earlier lactogenesis too, which is what we kind of refer to as your milk coming in is when you just get more copious milk production, as well as more milk at three weeks post delivery. So really trying to keep that in mind that if you and your baby get separated right after birth, they go up to the NICU that as soon as you're able to, to start Hey mama, welcome to Tired Moms Club with Be My Breast Friend. My name is Chris and I am the creator of Be My Breast Friend on Instagram and BeMyBreastFriend.com. I am a mom of four, third time exclusive pumper and CLC. Join me for the duration of your pump session, whether you're sitting in a dark room during your middle of the night pump, at work, traveling, or keeping baby occupied while you prep the next bottle. We are going to talk about all things lactation and more. Hang out with me while I share more insight behind some of my favorite pump reviews and breastfeeding products. There will also be guests. I have made friends with some of the coolest people around. We will touch on lactation education to maternal nutrition, starting your little one on solids, and sometimes just some freestyle chit-chat with my breasties. So sit back, relax, use some of that fancy hammer to trigger a letdown, and turn me up. Let's get started. Hi, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Tired Moms Club with Be My Best Friend. And as usual, I can't just sit here by myself and bore you with just, you know, what Kristen has to say. I like to bring my friends in for their point of view and their stories and what they like to add to our topic of conversation. And today we have Courtney Olson from Lactation Chat back again. Is this episode two or three that you've been on? Two. I think number three. Three. Yeah, I'm sorry. You were on two. Yeah. 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 This is three. That's awesome. I'm so happy to have you back. Thank you. <laughs> and um, today we're going to talk about pumping in the NICU. So Courtney, why don't, I don't want to speak for you. Why don't you give yourself your introduction and then like your role in the in the NICU currently? Yeah, absolutely. So um, thank you again for having me on the podcast. I love being here. So I am a speech language pathologist and I specialize in infant feeding and swallowing disorders. And so my current role in the NICU is as a speech language pathologist. So technically a developmental therapist, but I work a lot on feeding and swallowing in the NICU. And I'm, I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant. I run my own private practice. So I do in-home and virtual consults. And so I get to use those skills every single day, multiple times a day with the families that I'm working with in the NICU, because a lot of families' goals are to breastfeed. And while their baby is not eating or maybe not eating every feed time, you know, moms do have to pump to maintain their supply and to give their baby the nutrition that they need. Thank you very much for that. I I think pumping um, has such, it's such a valuable tool to understand and know how to apply to each and of our individual breastfeeding journeys, but having to apply it while your baby could possibly be active in the NICU is a huge asset to protecting our supply and supplying our babies with, you know, what we very well may aim to feed. So let's get into it. Let's talk about pumping while in the NICU. So 
where shall we start? <laughs> where do well, you start? I think <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> so first of all, if you're listening to this podcast episode and your baby's in the NICU, I know how incredibly stressful it is. And my heart goes out to you and your family. And I also want to acknowledge that exclusively pumping is really challenging. And I hope that you know, if you're in this season, that you are doing a wonderful job and that this episode just helps you navigate some of the things that you might encounter while you're establishing and maintaining your milk supply. So I thought we could start with some like colostrum harvesting. I know that this maybe isn't going to be relevant for everybody because if your baby was born prematurely and you're listening to this episode and your baby's in the NICU, you likely did not have that opportunity to hand express and collect colostrum before your baby arrived. But I did want to mention it just to kind of bring awareness to the idea of harvesting colostrum if you're listening to this while you're pregnant and why it can be so important. Just because we do see some late term or term babies in the NICU, so like 37 plus weeks, um, and we see them for different reasons like low blood sugar or respiratory distress. And if you already, if you had collected some colostrum ahead of time, that colostrum, if, if the medical team decides that your baby needs to eat right away, maybe for low blood sugar or something, then your colostrum is going to be the absolute best medicine that your baby can receive. Um, Like I said, if the care team needs to start supplementing right away. That's awesome. I'm a huge, huge fan of collecting colostrum. And I just want to kind of just plug this in here too. If you want to learn more about hand expression, um, we also, Kelly Kendall and I from The Balance Boob, we had recorded a podcast. I believe it's number two or three. It was like right in the very beginning. We had kicked off um, Tired Moms Club with uh, a couple of sessions, a podcast. And one was all about harvesting colostrum because it is truly so, it can be such an asset. And I'm pregnant right now. I'm 17 weeks and I have no, you know, knock on wood, there's no anticipation of NICU time or anything in my future at this point in time. But knowing that I can have more of a, a get off to a quote unquote better start or more secured start, knowing that I can harvest my colostrum if possible ahead of time is going, it just brings me a lot of, uh, a lot of security. And I have done this with several of other of my children. Yeah. And then um, for colostrum harvesting, most healthcare providers are okay with you starting around 36 or 37 weeks of pregnancy, as long as it's low risk pregnancy. So talk to your healthcare provider about that. But yeah, I think listening to that podcast episode with Kelly, and then also I know that you have some, you did a little series um, about collecting colostrum with your previous pregnancy. Yeah, I was sitting in this house when we had bought it. It was still empty and I just sat on a folding chair and I like leaned out of the camera and I collected colostrum. And of course, like I wasn't actively collecting in the screen because I don't want to attack, you know, uh, um, attract the wrong attention. Um, <laughs> but it, um, I did like you could definitely tell like how I was doing it and um, like massaging prior to expressing and my compressions. And then I, you know, I talk about how many compressions on each breast I was doing and when I would stop when like seemed to be the appropriate time to stop. And, and truly I'm only, when you start expressing colostrum like that, you're only expressing for several minutes, like for a session. We're not talking full blown pump sessions. Mm -mm. Yeah. So that, that can be really helpful. So I just wanted to put that plug in there. If you are listening to this podcast and you're currently pregnant and you're just like, how can I prepare colostrum harvesting can be one way that you can prepare for your baby because we just don't know what can happen right after pregnant or right after you give birth. Um, The next 
thing on my list here is to pump as soon as possible after giving birth. So if you and your baby have to be separated relatively soon or, you know, right after birth, really trying to remember to pump as soon as possible. And research has found that women who pump within one hour of birth compared to within six hours of birth had significantly earlier lactogenesis too, which is what we kind of refer to as your milk coming in is when you just get more copious milk production, as well as more milk at three weeks post delivery. So really trying to keep that in mind that if you and your baby get separated right after birth, they go up to the NICU that as soon as you're able to, to start um, pumping and then also hand expressing. So um, hand expression can be especially important in those first two to three days postpartum before your milk begins to transition. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what other lactation consultants recommend, but I recommend using a double electric breast pump first, um, just to get that stimulation and then hand expressing for the last five to 10 minutes, just to really help move that colostrum because colostrum is so, so thick and it tends to be easier to remove with hand expression at the end of your pump session. Um, but then after you notice that your milk begins to transition, just using the breast pump alone should be sufficient. But of course, it never hurts to hand express at the end of a pump session just to make sure that your breasts are drained really well. I will say just from my point, like from my experience, so this is again, mine, my experience, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pertain to everybody. But when I had my last singleton, I do recall, um, I, 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 well, I had two, my last two deliveries were very similar. I remember I, I got to the room and, um, I, I did ask for my hand pump right away. I didn't jump right into the electric simply cause I was just hours out of delivery. And I, I knew number one, that I wasn't expecting like copious amounts of course but even like a, i wasn't even expecting several mls i was expecting several drops to be perfectly honest right so like i hand expressed um i hand expressed as much as i could and i i do like i do um seeing that tune like every all the time especially as like a brand new like just delivered mom but I, I, my hands were getting tired, like easily, easily put, like, I just didn't want to hand express anymore. So for, for me, for like what benefit my supply, in my opinion, and my comfort, hand expression for me was my first line of defense or like removal. And then I went into the hand pump only because I had that control on the pull of the, when I compressed the handle. And then from there, when my hands got tired again, then I jumped into the uh, electric pump. But I, I don't I don't think there is any wrong way to get started. You just have to remember that your colostrum has a higher viscosity, right? It's thicker, so it's not going to flow as fl fluid as a mature, you know, your mature milk. And then on top of that, it, because it is call it such a small volume, you also don't want to lose your colostrum in your pump parts. So depending on, just be aware of that, I guess, really ultimately is just be aware that like maybe you might have to shake out your duck bill or kind of like give it a couple tappy taps to get like those drops out because every drop does count. And, um, and yeah, I guess that's like my, that's all I have to say, I guess, about that part. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that because I think that that is a really good point. And maybe something we should have mentioned at the beginning of this is like, 
of course, this is just for educational purposes and everybody's going to be different and everyone's going to respond differently. And if you find that you're trying some different things and you're not really noticing much happening, um, you know, sometimes after a really stressful delivery, that can happen. It can take a little while for your body to just kind of relax enough and your hormones to shift enough for you to start, um, you know, for your body to start releasing milk. But also, you know, just making sure that you are getting the assistance that you need as well in the hospital. So, so a lot of times, um, nurses will have on like the deliver mother, baby or delivery unit will have some experience with, um, with helping moms get started. And then also, you know, the lactation consultants are frequently on staff as well. So if you're having difficulty, you're struggling, you, you're, you're feeling like maybe I don't really know what to do, or am I doing this right? Or should I be using a different method? You know, just making sure that you're requesting the, the, the assistance. Um, so that way someone can help. You Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is you just because we birth a child, we have this baby doesn't mean that we now automatically download the manual into our heads. Like I am, I'm the first, I mean, I've been, this is my, I'm pregnant now with my fifth baby and I have no shame in asking for help. I needed latching help with my, my last singleton. You know, there's you, even if you did it once, doesn't mean that your second or third time is going to be the same. So never be ashamed or question, like, you know, feel bad that you're asking for extra help. And also remind yourself, you, you're going through a lot, you know, and, and you, you shouldn't have to carry the burden of thinking everything through by yourself. I'm the first to be like, I know, I know the answer to this, but I'm just too beat to just think it through. So I'm going to ask someone that has a more clear head to help me yeah. and very possibly more experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I've asked for help too on with latching and, um, you know, my baby's had tongue ties and stuff as well. And so just, yeah, you're, you, you think, you know, everything until you're like in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think another thing that maybe we want to add too about, um, helping encourage your milk supply. So not only are we looking to remove it and, um, to remove it to, to produce our, our breast milk, colostrum, um, transitional mature milk, but also putting baby skin to skin. I know as a NICU mom myself, that was something that was highly encouraged. And even when we did get home, I still practice skin to skin any chance I got. Yep. For quite yep, a while. Exactly. Actually. Yeah. So in the NICU, that is like, we do skin to skin as soon as baby's able to, and parents are up there and they are, um, you know, safe to hold the baby. Usually, usually they are. So, um, yeah, I, as soon as we highly encourage it. Yes. And then, and then thinking about like encouraging your milk supply, we recommend doing skin to skin and then pumping right after that, just because it just really helps communicate with your body. Like being that close to your baby, um, just helps with your milk production and your milk supply. That's really, so I hope I didn't throw a wrench in your, in, in your plans on what you wanted to say. <laughs> I, it, was, it was something I had written down and I just jumped at the opportunity. So I do apologize, but I have the Leche League open on one of my other screens. And it's funny you say that because it says it will stimulate your hormones. So skin to skin will stimulate your hormones to help increase milk supply. Those who pump after skin to skin report getting higher volumes pumped than my other pumping times. 
Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cause it like, it does your hormone, you're releasing that oxytocin and those love hormones. And yeah, there's a lot of co-regulation happening between mom and baby when you're skin to skin. And so, yeah, it's very, and it's just like relaxing. I mean, it's probably going to be the most relaxed you'll be with your baby being in a foreign place. So yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then, cool. Yeah. And then pumping frequently as well. So, um, we, we recommend pumping at least eight to 10 times a day in a 24 hour period, especially in those early days before your milk transition. So it does feel like you're pumping all the time. And it's kind of similar, like if baby were with you and they were directly latching, that's how often they would be latching is like every two to three hours, sometimes even more. Like I know for me personally, when I was keeping track of my, um, last my, my own baby's um, feeds, we were up to like 15, 16 times a day in those first couple of days, just because they do, they latch for a few minutes sometimes every hour. And then that just really, that frequent stimulation really helps bring your milk in. Thank you to our sponsor of today's podcast, Sarah Wells Bags. Sarah Wells is the leader in stylish and functional breast pump bags and accessories to support parents in their breastfeeding journey. Sarah herself has earned a reputation for incredibly high quality products, creating communities of support, and for being an advocate for working moms. Sarah's book, Go Ask Your Mothers, is a groundbreaking book for leaders to create a mom-supportive workspace available for pre-order now on Amazon and get a free pumping rights poster. See goaskyourmothers.com for more details. Launches August 2024. And to kick off this new year, Sarah Wells launched two new colors in her popular neoprene machine washable bag, the Fiona. Stay tuned to see what they have in store this year and to use code TIREDMOMS15 for 15% off Sarah Wells bags through April 30th. May I ask um, what your recommendation is when you are when you guys are seeing um, your NICU moms? So if you're you're doing eight to ten times in a day as a while everything's de- in development, if you will, how long are your sessions typically recommended to be? Yeah, so I still stick to thirty. To- like that, I would say. Well, I guess it depends. So if there was if it was eight times a day, so you're pumping every three hours. I would stick to that 30 minute time frame. Um, if it's in those early days, like your milk is like you're working on just bringing your milk in and you are pumping like every closer to every two hours, you know, sometimes those longer stretches, then I think you could go the like 15 to 20 minutes while you're just, cause that's, that would be pretty like, that would be pretty similar to what your newborn baby would be doing if they were directly in your saying is like maybe 15 to 20 minutes of like active time at the breast. Um, but then once you, once your milk comes in and you're, and you are just trying to maintain your milk supply at that level and you're pumping every three hours, then I would get close to that 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes per pump. But what I will say about that time too, is like, I know that that's not always realistic. And I know that like your schedule is going to be maybe a little bit crazier some days and you're going to have a lot of moving parts being in the NICU and trying to get there and leave and do all the things and like trying to time it with with where their feedings are. And so even if you're able to pump and move a little bit of milk, that's better than moving no milk. So if you were you know, only if you had a, a window where you could only pump for 20 minutes at a time um, here and there, that is better 
then moving no milk and, and oftentimes just fine, like not going to make a dent in your milk supply. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, and even whether you're a seasoned mom or you're five or six months in, or you're in your first couple of weeks or months, you know, postpartum, I totally agree. I always, I always like to say fluctuation isn't going to kill your supply. Cause I always think back, like I, I know as a pumping mom, especially with my, my multiples, my first delivery, one was in the NICU for a short amount of time. The other was at my bedside, but couldn't latch. I mean, he was four pounds and I'm not to say that his size had, you know, a whole lot to do with his latching, but it just did not work for us. And fluctuation on your pump sessions, it, it's not going to make or break your supply. And, and that's like kind of, I think I got sidetracked there in this for a second. When my kids were small, I, I forget, like I was so driven by the pump that I forgot like, well, if baby was feeding at the breast, they may not hit, you know, their full time at the breast or what I might consider a full time. Like we're not, babies aren't little clocks either. So they're not timing themselves. So I feel like we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace there too. when we're not able to complete a quote unquote full session. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I think that is really great advice. Just like if you, if you don't have time for a full 30 minute session, get in what you, what you can get in for sure. Um, but then definitely keeping is you want to do everything you can during this time when your baby's in the NICU, because to make sure that you're maintaining your milk supply, um, one thing that I've heard in the NICU is I've heard some maybe not so great advice of like, oh, well, your baby's here. So you're home at night. You can sleep through the night if you want to. And we all know that that can damage your milk supply. And so um, just making sure that you do stay on that every three hour schedule while your baby is in the NICU and then, um, you know, maybe adjusting it after your milk supply regulates and you guys get home and, you know, you can think about some different things at that time. But I would really encourage moms to stick to that routine and schedule. Yeah, that, that that truly is unfortunate advice. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. 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 That's disappointing, quite honestly. And I then those, those moms will probably come back in some time and, you know, ask like, well, I've been sleeping through the night. Like, where's my milk supply? What happened? Or maybe they wouldn't correlate the two because they were given advice from someone they considered to be a reliable source. Yeah. So that does stink. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other thing about, well, I have a couple more things about pumping specifically. So I do see mobile pumps, um, come and go in the NICU with, with moms. And I just want to say use mobile pumps with caution because I've seen mobile pumps go both ways with milk supply in the NICU. I have seen them quickly diminish milk supplies. Um, and then we've had to work really hard to rebuild what we can, um, using like a hospital grade pump and flanges. And then, and, and I've seen the opposite where people respond really well to them. And unfortunately, we just really don't know how our body is going to respond until we try. Um, so what I would recommend is using, a stronger pump until your milk starts to come in and then you notice you know, larger volumes and you feel like you have an idea of what your, what, what's consistent for you. Like what's your kind of your average milk volumes, um, per pump session. And then you can start to experiment with some mobile pumps if you want to, um, maybe one to two pumps per day with the wearables and just see how your supply does. Because like I said, some people really truly do for whatever reason, respond better to a mobile pump and, and that could be you, but I, I just, 
I really um, feel sad when they, when mobile pumps just completely destroy a milk supply and, and yeah. So just, just use them with caution. That's my word of advice. And truly that could go, that, that should be said loud and proud to literally everybody full term. Mm -hmm. It does not matter. Uh, I, I, I hate, and this is why I don't play on Facebook anymore. Cause I, you know, I'm in some of these mobile groups and, um, I don't, every time I look at it, I regret it. It's usually I'm doing a week and I'm ready to start pumping. I I'm looking forward to exclusively pumping, or maybe I have to pump, you know, everyone has their reasons. Um, but then it ends with, I'm, I've got my XYZ mobile pump and I'm ready to go. And I'm like, good Lord, let's put that away and get something that's going to, you know, at least, at least I don't want to say guarantee because there's no guarantee, but something that we can at least put more stock into that will actually be more reliable. And I love mobile pumps. If you follow Be My Breast Friend and I'm pumping, like I'm actively pumping, you see me pumping with mobiles all the time, but I will be damned if you catch me as a new, like with a newborn pumping with a mobile. That's just not happening because like you said, I mean, I do know my body at this point. So I have a pretty good idea of like what to expect, but that's my, like you said, that's like my, my one bit of advice is let's establish your supply, at least know your body, at least know its, its capabilities. Let's not sabotage our supply by using something that could very possibly be, you know, doing damage at the same time. It's, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And I think that should honestly be like in big red letters on every mobile box that goes out. You know, whether I like the pump or I don't like it's a it's just like a blanket statement as far as I'm concerned, which I don't like blanket statements. But I do believe that with mobile pumps, it should be it should be used with caution all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mm. agree. And then the last thing about pumping is um, flange size is really important. And so what research has shown and what I also see in the NICU is that your flange size changes. So immediately after birth, the nipple, your nipple diameter can be larger. And what I've noticed is a decrease in nipple diameter over time. So just keep that in mind and make sure that you're checking it periodically. Um, I don't have an exact recommendation on that, but I would check the size like right after you give birth and then maybe two weeks later, um, two weeks after that, and then maybe like every couple of months after that, unless you notice that there's going to be, unless you notice that like, wow, something seems really different or off with my, with my, um, milk volumes, um, then you, it might be a good time to just check it and see. Um, so having a nipple roller on hand is really helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that I, I, yeah, nope. That's why I, that's why I sell a nipple roller at mybestfriend.com. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and yeah, get, well, get, get one of those and keep it in your pump bag and then you just have it in case you need it. I mean, truly. Um, and then the other part of that too is, uh, making sure that you're replacing your pump parts because, and, and I didn't even, I, I didn't even think about this until just now, uh, preparing for this talk, but yeah, definitely make sure that that's something that's in the back of your mind too, is, you know, if you're using your pump parts eight times a day, you're probably going to have to be replacing them at least once a month. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I do agree. Yeah. yeah. Cause the, the other thing too, is with NICU babies, the CDC recommends to sanitize all of your pump parts and bottles daily if your baby's born prematurely. Um, I know that some people do like to sanitize after each use, but I know at our hospital, we sanitize once daily unless mom or baby has been diagnosed with thrush, then we do sanitize after each use. Um, 
but because you are, you know, washing your pump parts, sanitizing them, um, every day, you know, it, it, it can make the pump parts wear out a lot faster. So just making sure that you are keeping an eye on that too. I think that's such, that's, that's a very valid concern. And I think that's something that's very much overlooked too, because there are some moms who, and and I'm not, I, I, no fault. I'm not, there's no, no uh, judgment or anything. I'm not, I'm not big on sanitizing. I simply just don't have the time. Even when my baby was in the NICU, I don't think I was advised to do that, to be honest. And, but who knows at the time, because I could have very well been told to, but I was just on, you know, a different planet at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, that's a very valid statement just to have that extra set. And that's, I always like having an extra set, like in my pump bag, just having something on backup. Cause if something seems to be like, if, you're like, why is my pump session less? You know, maybe if you have something quick in your bag, you don't have to wait those two days for Amazon Prime, you know, mm-hmm. to get your pump parts. Like you can exchange them out right away. So um, just having a backup set is always something that I found to be helpful. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, baby being in the NICU, kind of going along with that with sanitizing too, is that, you know, we want your milk collection to be as sterile as possible. So making sure that you're washing your hands prior to expressing your milk. And then your NICU should also provide you with sterile two ounce volume feed bottles and labels to use to transport your milk to the NICU in. Um, And we advise just leaving a little bit of room at the top of the bottles in case that we need to freeze it just in case it expands. Um, and then just a quick little reminder that breast milk can be stored in your, in your fridge for four days before it needs to be used or frozen. So just make sure that you're transporting your milk to the NICU before that four day mark, unless of course you're bringing in frozen milk with you. Here's a little, um, quick one, colostrum, but does colostrum still follow the same guidelines as milk? Mm, I I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I don't know if it like, I, I assume if there, if someone wanted to do research on it, I bet that they'd find it probably has a little bit of a longer shelf life, don't you think? But, um, well, I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure. I just treat it like, yeah. I just treat it like, just cause it's called colostrum doesn't make it not yeah. milk. Right? And I think there, right. I think there is a divide there, um, with like our understanding, not mm-hmm. like just generally speaking, you know, I think people right. think and they just think like copious amounts of breast milk and then they think of colostrum and they don't, they can, don't consider it. You see that often in social media, like it's your first sure. milk, fill a milk. Yeah, so, um, definitely. yeah, we still follow the same guidelines personally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about skin to skin. We always promote skin to skin and then pumping right after. And in the NICU, we also provide scent cloths or some place co- places call them bonding cloths, which mom places on her chest to transfer her scent to and then switches out each day. And this is because baby's sense of smell develops really early in utero. And so mom's scent is already familiar to her baby and the scent cloths are just designed to provide that sense of familiarity and comfort even when mom can't be in the NICU. And then the nice thing about that too is we always provide parents with two scent cloths. So mom wears one and then it stays with baby for 24 hours as she's wearing the second one. And then as she comes in the next day, she switches them out. So now you have a scent cloth that smells like your baby and baby has a scent cloth that smells like you. So you get to kind of, I don't know if there's like just some nice like comfort and and warmth and being able to smell your baby too, while you, you know, you're pumping and you can't be, um, can't be with them smelling them 
Oh, it's making me emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is a very sweet, yes, it's a very sweet bonding. I mean, you know, we do what we can to help parents bond with their babies. And that's, that's one way to keep them close when they are not physically close. Um, and then the other thing is when your baby is not eating by mouth, so typically this is when their respiratory needs are a little bit higher. So they have their, they're intubated. Maybe they have a breathing tube that's going into their airway or they have like what's called CPAP, which is like a, um, it's like a face mask, a nose mask that goes over their nose and helps give them that pressure to help keep their lungs open and keep them breathing and keep their respiratory system healthy. Um, during that time when they're not eating, we do, we do as a care team during care times or, or we help parents do this. We do oral care using mom's breast milk on Q-tips. They're not actually like Q-tip brand. They're like medical Q-tips. They look like Q-tips. Um, but we just dip them into mom's breast milk and then we're able to put it in baby's mouth. And that just helps them get the taste of mom, the smell of mom, um, breast milk. And then it also just helps prevent infection too. So amazing. those are some little things we do. I love it. I've never, I haven't, I haven't heard that before. And that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope I I do hope that you found that this this episode was beneficial, and I hope you learned something because I know I sure did. Um, if you ever have any additional questions about pumping in the NICU, you're always welcome to reach out to Courtney nor I, or, or I, not nor I. You're always welcome to reach <laughs> out to me. <laughs> Wrong choice of word. Um, but again, thank you, Courtney, for being here. And as always, let's do it again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. 